bandwidth for this week in photography is brought to you by Cashfly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. This Week in Photography is sponsored by Audible. Go to audiblepodcast.com slash twip for a free downloadable book. This week on the show, RealViz puts it into auto, dealing with sensor spots and a conversation with Richard Harrington about Aperture. Right here on This Week in Photography, number 25. From the beautiful downtown studios of Pixelcore in San Francisco, California, at the center of the West Coast universe, this is TWIP, This Week in Photography. Welcome to the show. I'm Scott Bourne, one of your hosts, along with the guy who runs the Pixelcore, the one and only Alex Lindsay. Hello, hello. It's great to be here at the Pixelcore studio. I know. It's a... Uh it's so uh, it's not very it's not very light out, but evidently it's too dark for the D three. Okay, too, too light for the yeah. D3, we've yes. got a D three in the studio as well as our guest, and only one light. And uh, somehow the D three managed to worm its way into each and every show. We're going to be spinning off a new show <laughs> called This Week in D three, and uh, also in the studio we have uh, from Adobe in San Jose, where it's about fifteen minutes uh, different time zone than it is here in San Francisco. We have Frederick Johnson. Hi, Fred. Hey, Scott. You know what I. I need to clarify that 15-minute thing. I am not driving my normal car, because if you've been following my Twitter feed, somebody bashed into my beautiful car just in time for summer. So I am now driving a little... car that's not as fast as mine it's about 15 minutes slower so perhaps, than my car. <laughs> perhaps law enforcement will want to take note of the fact that fred uh, sometimes moves faster than it should also joining us via skype and the world wide web we have all the way from new york city one of the world's finest photojournalist and a nikon big shot he's all over the nikon ads i see his name there so he must be somebody important it's steve simon everybody hey guys uh is the D3 still in the studio? Would you, you quit talking about the <laughs> okay, D3? Sorry. Oh, okay. yep. Yep. Yeah. The answer is yes. Wait, wait. Wait, wait. wait, wait. Here, here. Here. We're going to do, do this for Steve Simon. There you go. Oh, thanks, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Steve music, right? Anybody got a cigarette for Steve? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. And uh, from the other end of the country, also via the World Wide Web, it's Ron Brinkman from Hermosa Beach, I take it. Uh, normally, but I'm actually... Oh, uh, you're in Seattle. I'm Seattle right now. Wait a minute. I'm going there tonight. How'd you get there ahead of me? What's going on? What's happening? I got the faster car. I got Fred's car. Okay. <laughs> well, you're the one. <laughs> you're up in Seattle, and, and I assume the weather sucks. I'm looking forward to going home to the bad weather. Oh, it's beautiful right now. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, great. To, uh, Seattle's best, and, uh, you know, got myself a coffee. It's It's sunny and brisk. Okay, well, it'll probably change by the time I get there tonight. Um, I think I'm, I'm in Seattle, I think. I'm in New York, and it's pouring rain. Okay, that's better. Uh, <laughs> and uh, we're going to bring in, in a little while, Rich Harrington is our special guest. He's the principal author of the new Aperture 2.0 book. He's one of the finest uh, photo software and actually software trainers in the world. I've seen him work, and uh, we're going to have him on in a few minutes. Also want to say that uh, our... Incredible producer, Aaron Mailer, is in the background listening so that he can get good show notes. So we're very excited to do this show. we got a lot going on. I want to say we um, have a winner in the link contest, and that's been announced on the blog. The new link contest, however, is still now available. That's a Drobo win. You win a Drobo. Drobo. If you link to Drobo. Twip 
photo.com mm-hmm. from your blog or website, you will be eligible to win a Drobo if you're 18 years or older and live in the United States. Now, I have to apologize. I got a little snarky with some people on the blog because I've been asked this question about 2.7 kabillion times. Yes. I'm going to say it one more time. The reason you have to be 18 is that it's legal stuff. You, it is, it's a contract to enter a contest, and our lawyers require that. And you have to be a U.S. resident because games of chance are illegal in something like 25 countries, and since their statutes and laws are not available to us in English, we can't figure out which. We have to post bonds in 45 different jurisdictions. For instance, in this in the province of Quebec, we would have to post a hey, bond, a bond of one. I, of, I know we'd have to post a bond of 150 thousand U.S. dollars in order to give away a drobo. We ain't going to do that. No, no, no. So you should do that for my fellow Quebecers. You no, write they, me that check, Bubba, and we'll take care of it. Um, anybody who would like us to make our contest uh, available in Canada, simply send a check to Scott Bourne for $150,000, and we will do it. However, we, we, we hope that you'll link to us whether or not you win the contest, because we're looking for you to say, yeah, I want to support you guys, because there is a lot of work by a lot of people that goes into the show. But anyway, link to us, and in three months, we're going to announce the winner of that. You could win a Drobo, which then, of course, would give you an opportunity well, then, to be Drobatized. Well, well and, and, and feeling droovy. Feeling droovy. And that's what feeling that, when, when everything is safe on your Drobo, you feel droovy. Da, 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 that's very good. So. so we got some news. We do. We got uh, Adobe Photoshop Express public beta adds Flickr support. Wait a minute. Is it, has it added it? We better ask Fred Johnson. Fred, Fred. Uh, because there seems to be a trend here. We make a release, then we don't make a release. We uh, issue something. the lion's and then we... den. <laughs> How did I know this was going to come? It's not even my product. That I'm... <laughs> yeah, you're wait, wait, wait. I, can I act really like a fries employee? That's not my department. <laughs> You, oh, you want printer paper? That's over in aisle 17. Yeah, you ask him. You I'm, ask him I'm aisle 16, going. Bubba. Get out of my face. Well, yes. I just don't know. I haven't had a chance to check. It's a legitimate question. I got a press release from your fine PR department saying yes. it's going live at 7.01 p.m. About an hour later, I got a press release going, no, it's not. Yes. So where are we? Is it a yes or no? Uh Almost. Almost. So uh, let's let's just say it's imminent, and okay. any any moment now, it should be out. We're just trying to make sure it's perfect. It looks going to be cool because one of the things missing from Photoshop Express originally was the Flickr support. So it should be exciting. Well, it's great. I mean, when you look at an online tool, it seems like you'd want to be able to publish to the online uh, sites. Well, they had some. They had some. They had some other export plugins. They just didn't have the Flickr deal worked out. Right. So. Right. Right. Yeah, so it, also, had, it had Facebook and yeah, uh, you know, yeah. some other other plugins like that built in. So uh, also, uh, and I'll, I'll grab on to this one, uh, RealViz joins the Autodesk universe. So RealViz makes uh, Stitcher, for those of you who are doing uh, panoramas, and uh, they make a lot of other things. They make match-moving software, uh, retiming software, and uh, what they call photogrammetry software. And they've been bought, or their assets have been, have been purchased by... Uh, uh, by Autodesk, and so it looks like we're going to see a lot of discontinuation of software. Autodesk is going to kind of move them into the Borg and uh, the Borg. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, it's the it's the Autodesk Borg, and uh, and so they're yeah. going to discontinue uh, Stitcher Pro, Stitcher Unlimited, StoryViz, uh, some of the other hardware and software bundles. Um, student versions of Image Model and Stitcher are no, no longer going to be available, and uh, so it's it's going to be. Uh, all your stitchers are belong to us. Yeah, exactly. It's it, right now. We'll see. We'll see how it turns out. Ron, do you have any opinion about this? Uh, well, they, they are the Borg. It seems they're on a buying spree. I mean, I was never a huge fan of the real bit of stuff, just because I always found the interface a bit kludgy. 
Yeah, well, it's it's one of those things that it, it is. Uh, we use a lot of RealViz products, and uh, it is one of those things that they were very quirky, uh, but oftentimes did it better than anyone else. You know, and, and so uh, like for for photo for image modeling and so on and so forth, especially we we were really happy with it. Though we're now doing some other tests of other software, um, we haven't ever had a real uh, close relationship with Autodesk, and so we're assuming that we're not going to use that software anymore. By the way, if you hear so, an occasional clicking sound in the background, that's not a special effect we drop in via GarageBand. <laughs> we just bring our own special effect guy, and uh, he just sits there and clicks the camera click every once in a while to make this sound like a photography show. Thank exactly. you, Freddie. I, I so, think the D three is trying to. Say something. <laughs> it's not, yeah, the D3, the D3, it's like some tribes in su- Southern Africa, it's mostly just a lot of clicks. I, I, yeah. I just don't, you know, I don't want to alarm anybody, but uh, I noticed that the D3 has sort of wormed its way over to the side yeah. of the table and put headphones on. Okay. So, you know, what happens is that that's the big problem when you're shooting, when you're shooting there is, is that you, uh, you'll start firing off and then people start talking to the camera and the camera just starts talking to just, them. So everybody knows from an equal time perspective, I'm going to bring my, brand new infant Canon 1DS Mark III into the studio next week. So there will be some equal time. Um, you Suck at Photoshop wins a People's Voice Webby Award. Have you uh, seen You Suck at Photoshop? I have. It's, it's, that it, is hilarious. It's, Love it. Love it's, it. It's popular and funny and often true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Based on yeah, some of the images of, I see. <laughs> these are a couple of advertising guys, and I don't know how much of uh, the stories they tell are true, but they know their Photoshop, and it is extremely entertaining, even if you're not into software. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's a nice it's nice to add that that little extra, uh, make it make it easier to watch because a lot of times watching screencasts can be painful. Yeah, except for ours, of course. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I used ScreenFlow on the last one. Everybody was sending me emails. I was thinking I was going to get all these congratulations. Oh, you did a nice screencast on converting to black and white. No, no. Everybody just wanted to know what kind of software I used to make it. That was it. That was the question. The job, Scott. It's a thankless <laughs> Or it was sort of like, yeah, thanks for the screencast. Now, what software did you use to make that? <laughs> did you use the little... Well, you know, that's, that's like showing your portfolio and people asking about the portfolio case. Yeah, where'd you get that's that case? That. Yeah. yeah. Or the best one yet. We all know this one. What kind of camera did you use Ugh. to take that photo? Mm-hmm. To which I always pictures. respond. You must have a great camera. Yeah, uh, yeah. And where did you get it? I say, well, I got it at that place where Shakespeare bought that pen. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> also in the news, uh, CHDK is becoming extremely po- popular. Now, now, Scott's not a very big fan of this. Uh, this well, it's is not a- that I'm not a fan of it. I just want to make sure that we disclaim it because I, I'm the guy that always has to deal with the lawyers. Disclaimer, disclaimer, disclaimer. Use this software at your very own risk. It might cause more. Hairs in your toes and other bad things. If smoke begins to uh, come out of your cannon point and shoot, please step away. So, um, so anyway, so what this is, the C- CHDK is uh, is an open source firmware hacking project for various digital, uh, digital hacking, cameras. Hacking always bothers me. I love me. that. See, that, 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 that's the first step to me wanting to go, oh, I think I will get that. Let me see. I got my 1DS Mark III. Cost eight thousand. Yeah, let's hack that one. Let me hack that. Yeah, no, but these, this, this is mostly for point and shoots. In fact, it doesn't work with a lot of the SLRs. Oh, good. So, um, but it, what it does do is it it it, uh, it runs off an SD card. So you pop it in. It's not a permanent, quote unquote, not a permanent modification. There's been some people who have said that it is permanent. Um, it adds uh, raw support for some cameras without it. Uh, it can add LCD uh, options like live histograms, increased exposure times for some models. Um, you know what? The bottom line is is that what this is showing is a lot of this capability are in these little points. They shoots. just don't turn it on. And what they do is they turn those all off to segment the market, and right. it's frustrating. But I'm frustrated. I do want to say, I've, seen a, f- I've seen a few Flickr posts, 
and a few discussions in our very own forum as well as some of the others where people are talking about this and like, oh, cool. Now I don't really need the 40D. I'll just use That's my point, G9. Right? <laughs> and, and, you know, there are still some physical limitations. Called to glass. Point. Yeah. Well, glass and sensor size. Right. If the sensor sites are tiny, it doesn't matter how many, you know, special software hacks you do. You're still right. going to have an image that suffers quality-wise compared to a DSLR. So just all I'm saying is everything in moderation. If you think this is going to get you dates with Pamela Anderson, it ain't. Well, and, and the thing is, is that what I'm excited about is the idea of being able to control. Now, there are controllable. Uh, there's software. Canon is actually one of the more opened yeah. companies when it comes to developing SDKs, unlike Nikon, which is very – it's actually one of the reasons we left – I left Nikon was because I couldn't program the camera. Well, actually, with Fred and the Nikon D3 here, there is a Brinks guy right outside. <laughs> so, I mean, you, you can't have a D3 without a Brinks guy. With so, if, if, you, if you've got a, a Canon point-and-shoot that you're not very attached to, uh, this is something you might want to play with. Do not do this if, if, you're, if you can't afford to replace it because it may not it come may back. It may screw it up. But it's really cool. Dangerous. So, uh, guys, dangerous. Is, is this what they call sort of geeking out? I mean, if you're going to spend all this time with your point-and-shoot, you know, adding all these features, isn't it time maybe to step up to a DSLR? Either that or get a girlfriend. Well, you know, yeah. it's it's kind of like putting it's kind of like putting big rims Can't on the, do big rims on the Honda, <laughs> big rims on okay. the Honda. That's good. <laughs> yeah, I, I I've been thinking about getting seen that. I've, I've been thinking about getting spinners for my new bed. Yeah, and maybe a little spoiler in the back. You yeah. know, so uh, rat hole. So anyway, yeah. all right, let's move on. Nick has shipped Viveza for Aperture two point one. That is a plugin that will work with Aperture. Now, this is part of the new Aperture architecture. You can bring in third-party stuff, and Viveza is a very cool program from Nick. I've had the standalone version since they actually were in beta. They let me have a beta version of it. It's very cool. I haven't tried this yet, but it is available, and um, you can visit Nick's website, which I believe is N-I-K-S-O-F-T-W-A-R-E.com for more information. And I think they they I, also make Photoshop plugins They as do. Well, right? They yeah, do, in just, fact. Just yeah. double-checking. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think what's what's interesting is you are going to see an enormous number of uh, uh, of plugins coming out for Aperture. There's a, a lot. Of, I mean, we're we we've got three. There's allegedly three one more. from DV Garage called DP Matt, but I've never seen it. So. Oh, okay, okay. Next, we'll talk about it. next week. I'll I'll do a screen. <laughs> Grab of the deep I'm only map. going like on a nationwide tour to teach this stuff to people, but you know it doesn't matter. <laughs> you probably don't want them to see. It's not map. that he's bitter or anything. We do have, so. uh, as every week, we have a website pick of the week, and because um, there is a gentleman here in the studio who had this wonderful little trip with Ansel Adams son and um you know went and did all kinds of cool things and you know you'd think that if you were going to take a trip like that you'd invite each and every one of your local twip buddies to go with you but of course that didn't happen must have been something to do with his pickup truck being run over but well, i'll tell it, you it, pickup truck it, it, <laughs> it, 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 i'm a straw hat on too Scott. <laughs> our website pick of the week is in honor of ansel adams and we'll get more to the best of that inside joke in a minute it's at www.anseladams.com if you'd like to get some, I mean, very large and very high-res pictures of Adam's work, including some vintage and rare originals. You can get there. There's a cool biography and some anecdotes. Now, the thing that's striking about this website, to me, is how high-res these photos are. I mean, they're kind of scary high-res. I'd be afraid to put my stuff out there that high-res. You can make prints from this stuff. So, anyway, we're we're doing our site of the week that's three sites. We're also going to mention the fact that you may not realize this, that Ansel Adams has his own blog. 
He does. And if you go to the About, about Me page, you'll see that you know he says his age is 106. And uh, He's anyway, now taking pictures of heaven. He's, he's uh, Ansel Adams Gallery blog. And they're very high resolution. On blogspot.com. We'll have a link to that. 12.1 <laughs> megapixels, I think. <laughs> We're going to mention that, we're going to we're going to mention that there's a great Wikipedia article on Ansel Adams and lastly the New York Times has an incredible and I do mean incredible uh, feature rich thing on uh, Ansel Adams at Yosemite where there's interactivity behind the photos we'll have links to all of these in the show notes and yes I know we did a side of the week that was four sites and I realized that's cheesy but we couldn't pick so we did it and because it's our show we can <laughs> so we have a Flickr challenge didn't we we do we had a winner a winner. Mm. Our challenge it's was crazy. for the car. Have a challenge. Now, I want to remind you, Ron Brinkman owes somebody a new car. And uh, remember that, Ron? Ron, we, Ron, did, we lose Ron? did we lose Ron? Oh. Hey, guys, just I know uh, we've oh, moved on, but the Ansel Adams thing, what do you think Ansel would make of digital photography? Can we save that for would... another show? Because that'll take oh, an hour. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, he, I, I think, think he would embrace it. I, I, think I, would asked his, I asked that question to his son, and I can we can talk about that a little yeah, bit later. It was a very interesting answer. Ooh. What did he say? <laughs> no, we're, we're talking about the Ansel Adams. Okay, that was a cliffhanger. What did he say? What did he say? What did he say? What did he say? Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Michael Adams, general retired Michael Adams. Uh, USAF. He said that uh, Ansel, uh, I'm paraphrasing here, but he said that Ansel Adams, his dad, would embrace whatever tools were necessary because he was not so much about the process, although he was known for that, but he was more known, or he's, in his head, it was all about the, the visualization or pre-visualization of the final image. So if there are tools out there to let you get and create really good photos, he would have uh, embraced them. So you, you went down and you saw you saw the son of Ansel Adams. I did. At, his, at Ansel Adams' house. Yes, in Carmel. And that's located very close to San Francisco, isn't it? It's uh, about two hours south of here. Wouldn't it have taken much for you to call me and have me get <laughs> yeah. right down there, would it? Uh, how Scott, did I Scott. know that he was leading me down that Scott, path of destruction? Scott, Scott, Scott rolled, off on the, rolled, rolled out of the wrong side of the bed today, man. He is <laughs> he's just, feeling a little froggy today. Yeah, yeah. He's like, so, uh, so hopefully he'll be nicer when we talk now, wait, about the challenge. Now, yeah, no, no, <laughs> just, you know, did you just... Overlook the fact that we were here? No, you know, that would be like inviting your friends along to a trip that you were invited on. I well, was a guest on that trip. Okay. Well, I wasn't le- the that's, primary. That's legit. That's legit. Just wanted to remind well, you that, gonna you know. going to be a little nicer to the winners. Please, please be nice to me. <laughs> please. I was just joking. So winner, So we have uh, the color red. Color red, and they won a whole bunch of prizes. Wow, Aperture, we crazy. Aperture, Lightroom. A copy of the HDRI book, a copy of DV Matt. By the way, don't DP Matt. DP Matt. I keep saying DV Matt. I'm sorry. DP Matt. Don't just wait for that one. It might take a while to get to you. <laughs> and then, and then, um, you know, um, all that stuff is going to go to. Are you ready for this? <laughs> Is <laughs> <It's> a bonanza? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't start the bonanza thing. Really, at Old Type Dog is the Flickr name of the person who made the photo. We don't know their real name, but the the photograph is called Start, and it's an amazing like it's some it's an Olympics or something where it's all red. Everything's red. The 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 track the track is red. The the guy's wearing a red suit and the starter. Anyway, it was just a very compelling photo, and um, Fred helped me pick the runner up which was red bed. It's apparently a bride uh, getting ready in a red bed. Yeah. It's very, very, very well done. I, I might have picked that for the winner, but as you know, when we do the weekly challenge, 
we we like to encourage people to actually go shoot. And since that was an older photograph, it made runner up. If we're going to give preference to people to go shoot for the challenge, but that was a darn good photo. Yeah, and, and, love her smile in that shot. And as as get as Max Mart would say, missed it by that much. Uh-huh. <laughs> and we have a new challenge. It's doors. Doors. doors and we're giving away unless somebody wants to kick in to match we're giving away one copy of aperture again for this particular contest i'll wait a second just in case there's something coming from fred and a copy of lightroom oh how did I, know that <laughs> See, so, what, what? I was looking at the picture of the red bed come on <laughs> you so were i was captivated by her you, smile you're, you're gonna get <laughs> You're going to get a copy of Lightroom and Aperture if you're the winner in the next so, contest. So, and what, what's great is we're going to slowly give out lots of Aperture and Lightroom, and everyone will be able to compare for themselves. That's right. So. The, and, and I do want to mention the Aperture copy is an NFR copy, and it's the full version, 2.1. It is not upgradable. In other words, if you want to buy an upgrade, you'll have to later. But if you, for the current, you you have the current version in its full glory. You can upgrade incrementally for free, but when they do the big, like Mm 3.0, it will not be upgradable. It's an NFR copy, meaning you cannot put it on eBay. And, you know, Scott, for the Lightroom copy, I'll give them a choice of they can either get the currently shipping 1.4.1 version of Lightroom, or uh, they can opt to hang out a little while. Wait for 2.0. And wait for 2.0. How long do they have to wait? Um, an unspecified amount of time. We can't announce that until a certain date. Sometime in 2008. I thought I had him. Press trained. Press trained. I would have gotten away with it if it wasn't for those meddling kids. We also had a, a, a poll question proffered by Alex Lindsay. Um, how do you uh, listen to twip and surprisingly alex people oddly enough 92 percent <laughs> listen to on their ipod or itunes that couldn't have anything to do with the fact that we don't make it available hardly any other way does well it? we're talking about <laughs> other ways to do it okay just new new poll is up on the blog at twipphoto.com 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 the new poll is there and it is how do you manage your library this is interesting because mm. we're talking about are you using aperture are you using lightroom we also threw in the other people uh well Actually, Bridge is still part of the Adobe family. Threw mm-hmm. that in there. Yep. We threw in um, the new Microsoft-owned iView Multimedia Pro. A couple of other choices. Cardboard box. Yeah. I mean, expressions, right? Expression, yeah. yeah. And so we threw in a bunch of choices. iPhoto. So we'd like to know. We want to see. And right now, it looks like it's kind of Aperture and Lightroom and iPhoto are about a quarter of the votes each. They're the big three so far. And uh, we'll, we'll be looking forward to how that... And by the way, there's so much feedback on the polls... We're going to start doing them every week. I like that. Yeah. We were doing them every two weeks, but there's just way too many poll questions people wanted to ask. Right. So, every week. Why don't we bring in Richard? Because he's sitting there patiently. Speaking of Aperture, we got a guy on the show that knows so much about it, he wrote the book. (laughs) Thank you, sir. All the way from the Washington, D.C. area, Richard Harrington. Welcome to This Week in Photography. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. So you, you, you're the 2.0 guy. We have the Aperture 1.0 book came out. and yep, It's actually Aperture 2 because it'll include 2.1 and 2.0 and all right. those things. So you guys decided to redo the book, Richard. What was your main goal? Well, the, the thing that sort of drove that was that obviously it's a mature product and the product has changed dramatically. Um, Really, we were seeing a lot of different categories of users. You know, when Aperture first came out, it was squarely targeted at professional photographers. But 
along the way, a lot of people have started to migrate to it through the iPhoto path. And so we really wanted to take the book and not just teach the software, but really teach people who maybe didn't have the benefit of knowing a professional workflow of the normal steps that you would go through to go from field to archive and teach them a logical way to work with their images using the software and help them move through, you know, in a nice, easy way. So we restructured the book to really match what the three authors felt was a great workflow that a real photographer would use that would help them make it easier to find their images, easier to sort them, easier to back them up, easier to share them with clients and, you know, get final prints made. So that was really the driving goal was to just sort of, you know, step back a second and reorganize it around reality. Now, you worked on this with uh, my T3 teacher, Orlando Luna, and Ben Long, right? Yes, yeah. All three guys worked on it. It was great. So it's pretty much an all-star cast there. It's an all-star cast. Yeah. A lot, of, a lot of brain power there, and it was uh, it was humbling because everyone had their own strengths, and it was really interesting to just you know to have your ideas challenged and refined by three people. Which is, I always like co-authored books when you have good co-authors and they know what they're doing, and everybody respects each other, but it's willing to say, you know, I think we could do it better if we did this. You know, it forces it. It, it makes you try harder to have really good material. Now, Richard, what's what's really your photography background? I mean, what, what do you take most of your pictures of? I tend to uh, do a wide range of stuff. I like to do landscape type stuff. Uh, I also do a fair amount of photography tied to, you know, my business is a visual communications company. So a lot of video production, but a lot of um, event type things where we are doing um, corporate type events, products like that where photography is being integrated into web pieces and integrated into video productions so it's a it's a wide range i mean i uh i do a lot of just different styles when i'm personally shooting i like to go out and and shoot um architecture and i like to shoot uh, wildlife personally for my fun stuff hey well, i like to shoot wildlife too richard we have that in common now what, yep. what, what kind of uh, what kind of gear are you using um, I recently graduated to a D300 from a D70, so not the highest end in the world, but I'm quite happy with it. Uh, variety of lenses. Um, start trying to get better with actually making multiple flashes work together. I recently uh, had a chance to sit down with uh, Moose Peterson and Joe McNally at a Photoshop World recently and just watch them work with flashes and try to get a little bit better at using my speed lights to do things. Uh, did a fashion shoot that they were running, which was fun. And uh, just different styles. I've done a lot of panoramics through the years. I've, I've dabbled in QuickTime VR. Uh, I certainly enjoy VR. And, uh, you know, play with Photo Merge over in Photoshop, things like that i like panoramics i like getting out there into nature things like that rich how does being a photographer impact you when you're writing a book about a piece of photo software i always try to remember that the purpose of the software is not to just bring something out that wasn't there but rather to help you enhance something that, for one reason or another, you couldn't capture. Um, you know, we've all been there, and a moment happens, and you don't have time to get the the lighting triggered just right, or something. You know, something could interfere with your setup, or there's times that you know something is just going on around you, and you capture it in the moment. You know, there's times that I don't have my gear with me, and I've got, you know, in my laptop bag, I just keep a little uh, Leica. 
the little uh, deluxe three, I think it's the model. And, you know, sometimes, you know, that's the only camera I happen to have near me because we, I mean, maybe you guys do, but we don't always walk around with our digital SLR and a hip. Apparently bag. Fred does. <laughs> so, <laughs> Just the G9, that's all. <laughs> so sometimes things will happen and, you know, I may not have had the right equipment with me to capture that moment and it'll enhance it. Or, you know, sometimes... Things will just be, you know, sometimes what I want the the person's eye to be guided to in the photo needs a little bit of handling to help them find what where I want the image to be. You know, I, you know, with that said, uh, I'm, uh, you know, probably as good at digital manipulation as I am at photography, which is to say that my photography looks a lot better because of my digital skills. But, you know, my, my training is actually in videography and photography has always been a hobby and something that I enjoy. And uh, a lot of times those worlds interact, but not always. So, Ron, Steve, you have questions for Rich? Well, I, I actually had uh, some aperture questions if I could throw at you. Yeah. I'll um, do my best. Yeah, we're, we're, I think a lot of aperture users are very excited about the, the new plug-in architecture and the fact that all these plugins are, are coming. But one of the big questions, I guess, was do you expect uh, in the future that some of these plugins will be of a, a non-destructive nature? Sure. Uh, the, the issue that you're identifying there is that right now, uh, when you trigger an aperture plugin, what happens is it's just like when you're in Aperture and you decide you want to send an image over to Photoshop because you want to do some layer-based work, uh, you know, some compositing type tasks. What happens is is that Aperture creates a new version and sends it right to that program where you make the change. And then when you close, it will then send it back. So it is technically a destructive change, and the types of tasks that you're doing with it, um, most of the plugins are designed around to be things that are meant to be uh, applied at the very end. Some certain types of finishing tasks, things of that nature, things that you're doing after you've already done your geometric fixes, after you've corrected tone, exposure, color perhaps. It's refinements. And so in a way, I don't want to say it's a it's a non-destructive change, but you always have that version there right before you sent it to the external editor. So you automatically have that captured. So you can very easily take that one step back and send that version again to the external editor if you wanted to try something different. So will it eventually be non-destructive? Well, you as I know that, you know, it's pretty hard to look inside of the mothership and see what's going to happen, let alone get anybody to comment on it. And I don't work for Apple. So I'm sure that that's the intention. I mean, we saw an incredible amount of new adjustments being added to this version of Aperture, which is great. You know, vibrancy, some of these changes that are in here, definition. So I know that there's been an obvious focus in adding more features that are non-destructive and we do now have features that are you know in a way brush based like the ability to heal and some of those sorts of things that are in there so i think that you know if you look at what's been done we've already got non-destructive brush based things with retouch and those sorts of things repairing and cloning i would think it would be a logical extension but obviously creating those takes a lot more time and creating something that functions as an external editor. Rich, let me ask Alex something related to that. Now, Alex, I've heard you talk about this, and you are a plug-in developer for Aperture. Your your position has seemed to be, and correct me if I'm wrong, that that's not a big deal that it's destructive. Well, it, I think that different plugins want to be different things. When you look at the uh, the the spot correction that, that's available in Lightroom, it's it is. Uh, 
it's very, very uh, difficult not to want to have that in in Aperture. You know, so being able to uh, make those corrections, make you know, Stu Mashowitz did a great thing on um, on ProLost, uh, and if you go to his, we'll get the the show in the show notes, but he shows kind of a step by step through Lightroom where he's doing non destructive changes to an edit and really bringing stuff out with it with uh, with some of their tools. That's really really great, and you can completely just wrap it back if you need to. On the other hand, there's a lot of things when you're doing things that are more complex with a bunch of images that I just don't, it would take a lot more coding for us to figure out a way to do that non-destructively. You know, and there's part of it, part of what we'd like to do at times is be able to get that and then do the do the work to it and then send it out. Now, we can still have, there's a lot of different ways, for instance, when, when we eventually get Conduit into Aperture, which we're working on right now, um, you know, I think that we're going to be able to uh, save the operation that we did uh, so it can be you know, reopened very quickly, um, and the same operation can be adjusted, and so on and so forth. Well, Rich, aren't you able? To, I mean, aren't you able to? You know, before we had lots of these fancy things like layers in Photoshop back in the old days, we just saved versions. You can make saves to these. You can make as many versions as you need, and the important yeah. thing to remember with the version that I like is that it's not actually saving a whole nother file. So all it's saving is the instructions of what you've done to that file. Yeah, it's just a so, data uh, set. It's just XML data. It's just like 8K, right? Well, not when yeah, you're doing not when you're doing the plugin. And with a plugin, you get a whole new image. Plugin, no, but, yeah. when but when you're doing all those other changes, right. it's very simple. And, and I find that some of the adjustments that are in there can be used for unintended purposes. Like some of the vignettes, you can do some pretty cool things. And the ability to do the color controls now is absolutely amazing. How you can go in and you could start to work with and modify, you know, some of the individual colors on a per color basis goes really far. Yeah, and I and I think that I, I will say that. I mean, the, the the way that Aperture works right now is the way a plugin works in Photoshop. You know, the, when you when we have as a plugin architecture, that's when when we get something, we're given an image and then we send it back to the layer. So it's a very similar path. I do think that Aperture needs uh, eventually someday in the distant future, probably very distant future, we might see an SDK from from Lightroom. <laughs> Are you tossing that to me? Can I make a comment now? <laughs> Been over here biting my, my lower lip to so bloodiness. We're, in, yes. we're, inter- we're, yes. inter- we're interviewing Rich about his book on Aperture. Feel free to talk, Fred. Oh, of course. Of course. No, I just wanted to you know, make a, a quick distinction. And I know, where, you know what the context is. But um, just in the Lightroom world, what the Lightroom team is focused on uh, in terms of... Because we get this question about plugins and when are you going to allow Photoshop plugins into Lightroom and... You know, non-destructive versus destructive workflows on the Lightroom side. What they're what the team is building is a completely non-destructive workflow, and that's been the inhibitor towards allowing third parties to create plugins that do all sorts of fancy things because they're really focused on and they fundamentally believe that photographers want a non-destructive workflow from beginning to end. They want to be able to go back to their their you know their bird shot later and tweak the clarity on just the eye later and not have to worry about having rendered a tiff out or, you know, encompassing the hard disk space that would require, you know, sort of creating multiple versions of those tiffs. So to that end, uh, that's why Lightroom currently doesn't have that that plugin. We haven't opened it up to the world to create plugins because that would entail creating that, that intermediary flattened file. It's really some of the same reasons why, you know, Aperture didn't really originally have plugins, but I think it was just a matter matter of listening to the feedback that many people decided that they wanted to allow plugins in there. And, you know, it's still, you know, I regularly use Photoshop and it's yeah. very nice in Aperture to be able to send images to Photoshop. You know, neither of these programs, Lightroom or Aperture, is saying you don't need Photoshop. It's just saying 
about 90% of the problems that you're going to have with your digital photographs can be fixed with these tools, fixed quickly, especially when you have high volumes of images and you want to lift the adjustments from one image and apply it to several other shots that have those same needs. And that's really what these tools do well, is let you quickly process and fix 90% of the issues you have. And then if you need to, as what Aperture identifies as well, Go ahead and send it to Photoshop if you need to, or send it to another external editor. You could specify any external editor you want in Aperture and send to it, and and that just makes sense. You know, yeah, no one's saying you don't need Photoshop. Yeah, it's- yeah, and there, you know, there's where the similarities are as well. I think with on the Lightroom side, you know, we believe that as well. So non-destructive, you're doing most of your edits within Lightroom, and then when you need to do some fundamental heavy pixel pushing, you invoke Photoshop. You do that, and then you bring it back into Lightroom as a version. So there's there's some overlays in the workflows there. What we have here is actually the traditional photographic dichotomy. Throughout my photographic career, in the old days, it was like, do I expose for the highlights or do I expose for the shadows? Which am I going to give up in this photo? Because it's beyond the dynamic range of my camera. You know, back when we had film, Fred. Um, you wouldn't be, you're not old enough to remember that. Um, oh, come on. <laughs> just kidding. But, you know, here your choices are. You can go with Aperture and get full third-party plug-in support and use cool things like this Nick software, which, by the way, all the Nick stuff I've played with is awesome. I have mm-hmm. every Nick product, every single one. They're all cool. Yeah. Being I able think- to get to that, you, you can make that choice, and you do give up the non-destructive workflow, or you can stick with non-destructive, but you don't get access to all the good stuff. So it's just like everything else in photography, you got to make a choice. And the great thing is, is if you listen to this show enough, you end up winning a copy of both, and you get to make your own choice. <laughs> you know, make your own choice, figure <laughs> and, it out. And, so, Ron, did you have any questions for uh, Rich? Or any comments? Yeah, yeah. So, hey, Rich, I'm in kind of a dodgy Skype connection here, so hopefully I uh, I hold out. But I was wondering if you cover any kind of uh, sort of workflow, organizational workflow, because that's the thing I seem to get asked about a lot with Aperture. <laughs> say that again. Your, say the whole sen- say the whole sentence again. We lost you. Oh. Yeah, I, I was just wondering uh, what you cover in the book in terms of workflow for for managing photographs on disk. Sure, sure. One of the things that we get into is um, that process is covered pretty in depth. So, you know, in the beginning, we focus on the idea of, you know, setting up your projects and within projects, taking advantage of folders and albums and smart albums to very quickly take a large project and get it down to just you want, uh, tying that metadata into all the organization. Then when it comes time to actually starting to move those things out of your library, uh, we very much cover things like using vaults where you can set an automatic backup to backup large quantities of your image, your entire library. We cover how to export individual libraries so you can then share those with other users or move them between systems. Uh, we have a whole appendix all about the workflow of having multiple machines where you can move libraries from one machine to another and really your strategy. And we give equal treatment to the two types of ways that Aperture handles images where you can use a managed library where Aperture pulls everything into its internal libraries and it's sort of a packaged up file versus reference libraries where you've already done the organization with or with another program or manually and how you can really keep those in the existing folder structure you have. So we give equal weight to both approaches, realizing that many users don't you know, already have a photo library that they've organized and don't want to move it in. And we, you know, we give honest advice about the pros and cons of each method. 
Plus, one of the things we did that I, I'm really glad we did is we talk about how if you are an iPhoto user, like I saw in your survey, about 25% of your audience is using iPhoto, how you can access your entire iPhoto library or even pull in individual events or albums right into Aperture and have those either be referenced or imported so you can make that transition gradually. So it's not a, okay, I'm going to make the move now, click the button, I'm nervous. So I think there's a lot of that. And then we put a whole bunch of stuff in on really uh, delivering the images, printing, ordering, books. And one of the things I think you'll like, Scott, is the idea of showcasing your work. So using the different web journal type tools, the web galleries, which work on the iPhone, work on the Apple TV, and then touched on iDVD and Keynote for making other types of slideshows that you could take with you. So we really put a lot of emphasis in there of getting things in and out with multiple types of workflows to address the different users' needs, which I think is one of the things Aperture was knocked very early on for, was many people didn't like the fact that it gave you a managed library and they wanted a more open system, which it now has, and we give equal weight to. Yeah, I think, and also, by the way, I think the interesting thing is a lot of people are running back to the managed library now because they miss not having to worry about it. But hey, we're out of time, Rich. I am very excited to see this book. I apparently have a copy on the way. I'm looking forward to reading it. We will, of course, in our show notes, put a direct link to Amazon.com where you can buy a copy of Rich's book. And if you want to throw a copy in for your giveaway, I had gotten them to promise to give you an extra one. Okie dokie. Thank you. So we'll, still, we'll make sure that we get one for Alex, too, so you don't right. have to fight Aww. with the giveaway. Oh, thank you so yeah, because much. Gonna, what about me? No, you don't get one. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. You don't, you don't your get name to have the book. <laughs> so we, we will add to the Lightroom and to the Aperture software package in this latest photo challenge. That's right. A free copy of Rich's book. It's the Aperture 2.0 book. Rich, I, I got to tell you, I'm glad you're on the show because I've seen you speak and teach numerous times. You're one of the best in the business, and you've really helped legitimize this gang of uh, gruesome <laughs> ghouls over here by making appearance on our show. So, uh, thanks. I'm really glad you guys are doing the show, and thanks for having me. Thanks. We'll look forward to uh, talking to you again. Thanks, let's, Rich. let's move on to something very important. We have to say thank you to some very, very close friends of ours, Audible. Audible.com. If you'd like a free downloadable book, which is something you can get because you are a listener of TWIP and because you want to support the hard work we do, why don't you run very quickly to audiblepodcast.com slash TWIP, that's T-W-I-P, where you can choose from more than 45,000. 45,000. 45,000. You know what I'm listening to? What are you listening to? The Spartans. Oh, you're, quit, quit. you're gonna be for the next twelve weeks on this show. I you're gonna still. Be, I finished it, oh, but I'm, finished I'm, it. I'm, I'm, I'm listening to it again. Do you mind if I get to the pick? I'm picking the Spartans. Okay, so should we just make that the pick every week? <laughs> which chapter? Which chapter of the Spartans is? The we pick? actually this have a real. Yeah, exactly. We believe it or not, Alex. Some of us worked late into the night to actually come up with a pick of the week. And uh, it's called The Perfect Thing, How the iPod Shuffles Commerce, Culture, and Coolness. And it's by somebody you probably have heard of, Stephen Levy. He's the technology journalist that basically everybody knows that's been covering the Mac for 20 years. He's good friends with Steve Jobs, and uh, he's written a lot of important books. He wrote Hackers, Insanely Great. Um, the, he, the, this guy knows how to write. Uh, I love his work. He's he's the chief technology writer for Newsweek. He actually is one of the few guys that had an iPhone well before the iPhone shipped. And I, th- I picked this book because, you know, when it comes to iPods, if you're a photographer and you have an iPod, you've got an ex- external storage device everywhere you go. Uh, 
and I know tons of photographers who rely on their iPods for backup storage, external storage. Of course, of course. I, you know, I told an Apple engineer that works on the iPod that that I used. You know, I put my presentations on it. And he goes, you know, those things aren't built for for hard drives. You know, you know, yeah, you know, you know, yeah. do, do not. <laughs> but people do using it. those as hard drives. But yeah. people do it, and yeah. so I thought this might be a good fit as our pick of the week. You can choose to download this or any of the other forty five thousand books at Audible if you use the code that you get as a result of visiting audiblepodcast.com slash twip. You know, I, I have to say, I really have, I think I've said this before, I've really stopped reading. You just listen. I just listen to all the books. I'm <laughs> yeah. like, what book? And I, I, there's books that I want to read, and then I go up to Audible and they're not available, and I'm like... So who can I get to do this? I need someone to do a voiceover for for Africa, Biography of a Continent, because I don't want to read it. It's 800 pages. Well, I've taken to my trips in my car listening to them, and also, of course, I've moved songs songs and books onto my iPhone and listened to them. It's a great thing, and I'm really glad they're our sponsor because I really believe in their product, and everybody that... I know that uses it, enjoys it. All of this, all of us that do the podcast have listened, and we'd like for you to do it as well. So go to audiblepodcast.com slash twip and thank them for their support of This Week in Photography. Alex, we have listener questions. Listener questions. Now, we, we, we had like 12 kabillion listener questions last week, and I think we got to eight. I don't know how many we're going to do today. We only have four kabillion today. We have four kabillion? Yeah, we're going to work through as many as we can. So the first question here we have, uh, this is, um, I guess this is targeted to me, so I'll take it. This um, is Alex mentioned, so that must be you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this is from uh, Paul T.S. Lee, and, um, and the question was mostly, essentially what it's about is... Uh, uh, he says he has um, severe astig- astigmatism, and um, and so he's trying to figure out ways. Uh, he wants to do manual focusing, um, and uh, he but he you know it doesn't really work with just looking to see if it's in focus. And so he's trying to uh, talking about the crosshair solution that I had mentioned earlier. It's not really a crosshair solution. What it is is it's a um, it's a split focus uh, prism. And back in the old days, back when I got my first camera, we had this little thing in the middle of the of the image, and there was a circle. And then when and when the circle was, was when things were apart in the circle, then it was out of focus. And when they were together, it was in focus. And it was a beautiful thing. I like doing manual focus, especially when you're doing low light conditions. You know, you, the your autofocus oftentimes won't work very well. Also. Uh, one of the reasons that I'm looking at getting one is because I've really become attached to my um, to my lens baby. And so the lens baby obviously doesn't have autofocus. It's got kind of it's got accordion focus, you know. And so so you um, being able to know that something in the center might be in focus would be really cool. But because we have all these auto cameras, they took all of those features out. Well, it turns out you can get a clip or a sticker. Uh, there's a variety of different ways of doing it um, to put onto your mirror of an SLR. Now the thing that I'll say is that I'm I'm getting to the end of I'm deciding to buy a new camera, so I'm going to get one of these for my 20D. This is another one of those like the hack that. We we were talking about with point and shoots, you know, starting to add things to your, uh, to your, to your mirror in your SLR, you know, is a good way to break it. So, um, so you just kind of take that into account. Uh, and, and I, I like living on the edge, you know, so that the 20D is nearly, nearly end of its life cycle for me. And, uh, so by, I start by the playing way, with Alex's it. 20D, which I've seen with my own eyes resembles scarily a Humvee. Yeah. So. <laughs> with spinners right? it's, yeah well it's, it's been but it's, uh, yeah so anyway and it's, it's a little beat up it's uh so there's two companies that that i know of uh that uh, make uh these uh options one is cat eyes cats ioptics.com and uh and we have links in the show notes of course because we have uh links and notes to absolutely every word that we say uh thanks to uh aaron so um and uh then there's also i think it's huda screen huda 
Huda? Huda no. So anyway, so HudaScreen.com also has uh, a variety of screens. These are for Nikons, Canons, Pentax, you know, all these different ones. And so what you can do is you can add these to the mirror, and then you actually get the old-fashioned split focus um, on your mirror, and you can, if you want to do manual focus, uh, this is a way to uh, add that feature that was um, removed. So Alex, you're, are you suggesting take one of your... I'm holding up the quote the quote signs your old SLRs and modified and use it exclusively as a lens baby sort of like when you modify a camera for infrared. Well, no, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna no, I'm gonna use it for everything. Uh-huh. I mean, I'm just gonna have the split on there. And the thing that I find is that when I when I man sometimes the manual focus actually uh, works better than the autofocus, mm-hmm. and sometimes I like to you know I like to have that control, and especially yeah. in low light, you want to have. Uh, manual focus uh, capability and it's really hard on our for my eye anyway to know that I'm in focus when I'm looking at it and so I really want to have those tools back you know when I when I'm working in it Alex is the split an actual solution though I mean if you're having trouble with an astigmatism um, I don't know if it's an actual solution for him I'm I'm talking about it in general yeah Yeah, I I think it will be though because I think that what will happen is is that it will the split focus should you know, uh, when when those when when the two parts, uh, the two halves of the circle come together, I think you should actually end up with something that's in focus. Whether your eye is, it'll be blurry, but they'll yeah. still be matching. So I think Got that right. I think that it will work. I don't know for sure because I don't have astigmatism. I'm nearsighted, um, but yeah. uh, but I think that uh, but but it is an interesting. This that's what I was talking about in more detail, way more detail, yeah. probably more detail than well, there's laser surgery. I mean, that's an actual, I mean, I, it scares the hell out of me, but I know a lot of people have had it. Tiger Woods has had it. I know. I just saw the new, I saw the new stats on that because I've been thinking about doing it and I saw the new stats on it and I was like, and mm, not in my lifetime. I just use the diopter control along with 1.5 reading glasses and I'm able to see pretty well. And then I take my reading glasses off to do my final composition. And also some cameras like my Canon cameras does have a light that illuminates when you are in focus mm-hmm. right. you know whether or not you're using the autofocus so that right. that can be a help too we need to move on if we're gonna get to more of these questions uh, we have a question from ian nelson he wants to know about the sigma 24 to 60 f28 exdg lens and he says is a lens that comes with a lock for zoom creep a bad lens well no doesn't mean it's a bad lens it just means it might suffer from zoom creep lots of zoom lenses do that that means that the lens extends when you don't want it to sometimes you just have to be careful the the higher quality lenses tend not to do that but a big heavy lens uh, like the sigma 3 to 800 lens that i used to have it didn't matter it's so big that it would creep and then he says i hear that this is just as high quality as its canon l counterpart i doubt it uh, i don't think anything's as high quality as the canon l lenses from any of the third-party markets doesn't mean they're bad lenses though they could be very good very high quality i just don't think they're quite as good that'd be just my thing and then last question he asked has three questions he wants to know in freezing temperatures if the camera freezes is this bad <laughs> and the answer is <laughs> yes wait, wait a minute i don't i don't understand the question <laughs> Ian, yes, it's bad. Uh, and if it does freeze, yes, what you want to do is let it unfreeze completely without touching it at all, not turning it on, not doing anything to it. But yes, we generally want to avoid placing our cameras in freezers. Um, uh, one thing you may want to do also, one, yeah. one thing you, you also may want to do if your camera freezes, if you can open it, is uh, get the get the battery 
down because one of the things that you'll have is that when with any electronics equipment uh, when you uh, when something freezes it may have condensation on it and mm-hmm. yeah. what you don't want is voltage going through the system on, on anything uh, when it when that water is around a lot of times that water will evaporate and if there was no voltage you may end up being okay but if you have voltage running through it you end up, you, you may short it and then then it's really dead For, I, and if I, you have if you have a frozen camera is that old trick of putting it in a sealed plastic there bag the condensation forms outside the bag and not inside the bag that where all the camera components are so that's right. one other thing when you're shooting uh, where I used to live in Edmonton Alberta during the peak of minus 40 degree winters mm. Ooh. my advice is if you live in a place like that get manual cameras that don't have any electronics of any kind and then you just let them sit outside all the time and they're climatized you don't worry about it um Kevin in Dallas says, I'm a new listener. I'm an amateur tackling film scanning of my archives. I can scan in 4,000 PPI, 14-bit color. Uh, He's trying to figure out what's the best scan quality. And basically, he wants to know if 14-bit buys him much compared to 8-bit. And I think the answer is yes. You want to scan at the highest quality possible. Um, Anybody disagree with that? Yeah, I'm not sure no. you'll see a difference necessarily because especially on film you have a little more grain and it tends to dither out the stuff. But I totally agree with, you know, why not? Disk space is so cheap. Scan and the because You never know, you know, what, what odd condition it's going to get you, what you need. Yeah. If you're going to put in the time scanning, which, you know, it, it just makes sense to have the, the highest quality file, like, like, like you say, just because, uh, you know, you don't want to have to do it again. Right. I think that I, I think that there is some sort of when you get to about three or four thousand pixels uh, for a regular thirty-five millimeter. I don't know if you're going to get a lot more after that. You're um, scanning grain a lot of times. You're yeah, actually just yeah. getting a, a better representation of your grain. But again, you know, just space is so cheap. Yeah. Yes, we keep on adding lots of it. So. Uh, I've been uh, very uh, connected to that. Now, we also have a question, and I think this will probably be the last question that we end up with, is uh, sensor dust spots. Um, so uh, this is from Alex F. And uh, the, it said, hey, hey, Twip gang, I got my first DSLR. I'm only 15, so I'm happy to have uh, – he saved for a long time. He said, but I've noticed a dust spot – I've noticed – what I've noticed is dust spots on the sensor. It happens when switching lenses. Um, I already – I'm, I'm – um, I always make sure to do it fast and in a quote-unquote clean room. Uh, as a topic, I would like to suggest uh, sensor cleaning. Uh, do you do it yourself or do you send it to somebody else? So what do you guys do for uh, sensor cleaning? If you want it to come back dirtier than when you sent it, send it to the manufacturer. <laughs> <laughs> Not a good experience, huh, Scott? Not one. <laughs> Not that he's wow. bitter or anything. I, I don't know well, anybody. I've, I don't know anybody well, that think. S- I don't know anybody think that's a good idea. Do you guys? Well, I, I've sent it. I've sent it here in New York. Uh, there's a sort of a local Nikon authorized uh, distributor that will allow you to. They'll they'll clean your sensor for forty bucks, and you know that's 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 fine, and they do a good job. But that's a lot of money, and I've since invested in one of those visible dust brushes, yeah, which mm. uh, really works. You just sort of you turn it on, you kind of wind it up, and the electro whatever it is starts to, and then you just. You know, take the brush and just slide it over the mirror. It We're going to do a video any on kind this. Of dust. Yeah, yeah it, it really does work, but it doesn't work if you've got something embedded 
on the sensor. Fortunately, I haven't had that problem. There's a, there's another have. one called a sensor swab um, that uh, that you can use that that actually is you can take stuff off of it. But mm-hmm. really, if <laughs> you should try to avoid any any situation that would that would have you have stuff stuck to the the actual sensor. Well, keep in mind you're not actually touch, you're not touching the sensor. You're touching a piece of glass in front of it. Well, the sensor swab though, Aaron, um, can you jump in here for a second? Related to that, yeah, certainly. So yeah. You're, you you use a sensor swab, right? Yeah, I use the sensor swab kit. Um, you buy them according to the model camera you have because the width of the swab uh, fits the sensor size, and it's a two-pass thing. You uh, you drip a little of the Eclipse cleaner on it to moisten it, mm-hmm. and you do one swipe across. You flip the swab, put it in the bottom corner, and then one swipe back. But technically, and just so uh, you know, you're not cleaning the yeah. sensor. You're cleaning a piece no, of glass. No, you're absolutely right, Scott. Right, yeah, right, it's right, a right, piece right. of glass that protects the sensor. That scares me, though, putting any kind of liquid on anything. Yeah, I've it done that. Me the willies the first time but it, it worked out really well actually <laughs> or if, you, if you're scott born you could just buy a camera that will clean itself <laughs> uh, as i just did <laughs> now ron what do you do uh well I, w- I would like to say that you yeah anything you can do to avoid putting the, the liquid cleaner on there so just use your your brush first of all get one of those little blowers they got the little rocket shaped blowers that are uh, they're awesome just a real high power jet of air the Giotto rocker yeah, rocket. Yeah, do not, however, use yeah. compressed air because the accelerants will break mm-hmm. down yes, the yes, rubber exactly. gaskets and destroy your sensor. Use a can. Yeah. Let me mention with the Eclipse cleaner. I mean, you're not. It's not like dripping wet when you put no, it no, in no. there. It's an alcohol-based stuff. It evaporates almost instantly when it hits the surface. So I've, I've never had a bad experience with it. But you know, I would offer a warning. It is a little terrifying the first time you do it. I've done it. It's it's not a bad way to go. The way I go is kind of crazy. I use a lens cleaning brush to clean my sensor. The old-fashioned lens cleaning brush that you buy that has, uh, you know, that it's, it's, it's like 15, 20 bucks, and you're supposed to rub them on your lens to clean the lens. And what they come with is a lot of graphite in them. So I just beat them against a white cotton cloth until there's no graphite left. And the way you can tell is it starts black and it ends up white. And then I literally, this thing has the texture and feel of an eraser on a pencil. I literally just go in and rub it across the sensor. I've been using that method for three years. I've cleaned lots of sensors using that method with great results and no problems. I'm scared. I'm scared. Well, I'm going to do a video. I'm going to do a video of this. <laughs> okay, great. In fact, I'll demonstrate the sensor swap because I have that too. And I'll demonstrate the the lens cleaning okay, great. Uh, brush that I have. And I'll show people. It's really, it's, it is scary at first, but it's not a big deal. And it, for Canon users anyway, I highly recommend you don't send your camera to the manufacturer because every time yeah. I or one of my students have done that, well, we sent it in with three spots. We got 10. <laughs> what do we got next week? We got a great, we have a, uh, a fantastic uh, guest next week don't we we have rick smolin smolin from uh, yeah yeah Yeah. so from time life national geographic photographer he does the day in the life book which is like one of my i just i love pictures of people and i love the day in the life yeah yeah i Um, I think he used to be uh in sausalito i think he used to live over here but now he lives in new york yeah yeah so he um uh, so we're gonna get to talk to him a lot about how that how that gets done i'm very very excited about so am i that's awesome and uh, coming between shows um the ghost version of Fred's Last Promise um, screencast. Uh, it's actually there, but you have to be a ghost to see it. And then... Um, <laughs> and we owe you... We owe you. There's actually one caught in, in post-production. Ron Ron did one about his uh, his camera bag, and we should be able to get that out next week. So That's good. Uh, we, I'm not making any comments right now. Thank you. <laughs> Digging my hole deeper and deeper. It's a foxhole. And uh, does anybody have a tip? We, we have, Before we say goodbye, we have to do a tip. 
right? Would you like to do a tip? You're old combat yes. Navy photographer, yes, aren't you? Air I will Force definitely. Air Force. I'm, Air Force. I'm happy to do a tip. Go for it. Um, you know, but this is, has nothing to do with my military background. This is all current stuff. So, uh, currently, I carry around. Um, Contrary to popular belief, I don't carry around my D3 with me everywhere. <laughs> I carry my G9 with me most places, um, and increasingly so. And Scott, I'd have to, you know, one of the one of your Girls Gone Geek Squad, Leanna Lahua, uh, did a video that I saw on one of your sites uh, with her G9. And that blew me away and inspired me to start carrying my G9 and using it for more than just photos. So now I take it around with me and uh, shoot video of different things. I'll, st- I'll snap photos and then I'll snap video or shoot video as well and then stick that up on Flickr video. You know, so it's, you know, the, the whole Flickr video experience. And if, if you haven't tried it out yet, I would encourage you to play with it. But it's it's different than a whole YouTube experience. You know, people think, you know, why is, why is Yahoo and Flickr doing the, the what YouTube has already done? Um, but I think what Yahoo is doing is they're doing this long form photo thing where, you know, you, you take little surgical snippets of scenes that would otherwise make good photos and just show them with motion. So I've been playing around with that. And it's uh, it's really interesting. So your to add tip another is dimension. have a camera at all times. Always have your camera with you and not only shoot photos, but consider shooting video as well. Bill Frakes. Who, of course, is sponsored by Apple. But anyway, Bill Frakes was down at uh, Stanford this week, and he's the 18-year veteran of Sports Illustrated. He's the only guy that's going to be on the finish line in 91 days at Beijing for each and every event. And uh, his deal was, look at SI.com. They are now doing almost everything as multimedia with video text, audio, still photographs, and he shoots video now on all of his shoots yep. that he merges and does these great stories. In fact, if you just want to have a great time, uh, go up there and look for the one that he did on NASCAR because <laughs> it is hilarious. He, you know, and he's, and the, what he was talking about was, you know, he's, he's a guy that gets the first couple of pages of the magazine, which is very prominent, and Sports Illustrated is a photo-dominant magazine. It's very photo-rich, unlike some magazines these days. Yeah. But he gets to put maybe two pictures in the magazine, mm-hmm. but when he uses these multimedia approaches, he gets hundreds of pictures up. And on their website, I think he said they had 35 million downloads of the NASCAR one. And I got to tell you a funny anecdote. He said when he was shooting it and he sent it to the editors, they said, well, you know, we really like that, but is there any way that you could find like fewer rednecks to put in it? Um, (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Could you put some prettier people in it? He says, "Uh, it's a NASCAR event. I'll just leave it as that. And uh, anyway, go go down. Disclaimer, Scott is not saying that rednecks are not pretty. I'm not. In fact, I saw some very pretty rednecks in this video. But anyway, this is a funny thing. But his deal was to, basically, I brought that up because he was saying, use multimedia. Yeah. I just want to remind you, it's not rednecks, it's Appalachian American. Thank you. Oh, oh, man, I hope you haven't alienated a good part of our listeners. Oh, no, no, I'm allowed to say it because I am one. So, you know, so I'm I'm fully licensed to say that. Steven, you need to know something. There in a week that goes by that we don't alienate some portion. No, no, I'm I'm from... Alex is sweating over here. No, I want to. I actually want to. I want to make bumper stickers and I want to put it on my. See, car. we're trying to do I'm this. I'm not a redneck. I'm an Appalachian. I am my own uncle. No, <laughs> no, it's not that at all. We're trying. We're trying to do something never done before in online media. We started with the world's largest online media photography show. And now we're hoping to go backwards. <laughs> at some point in time, we will be the least listened to of all photography well, shows on the web. We have to be controversial, you know. <laughs> okay, let's let's break this uh, party up and. Uh, Fred, where can people uh, find out more about what you're doing, get in touch with you, and see the cool videos that you post on your site, but 
not ours. They can, oh, what a zinger, <laughs> love it. They can uh, learn more about Lightroom, of course, at adobe.com slash Lightroom. Um, or if they want to follow me, they can um, check on my blog at frederickvan.com. And uh, there's also links there to my Twitter, Flickr, and Facebook personas. Mr. Steve Simon in New York City. How can people well, you can, f- find oh, you? Sorry to interrupt. Uh, okay. SteveSimonPhoto.com and also on the Inside Aperture site since we were talking about Aperture. I, I had a thousand other questions for Richard. I'll, I'll hopefully uh, corner him in an elevator at some point. It's and, a 60 minute show. Ask, I know. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Ron Brinkman, are you still with us? Uh, more or less. And uh, how would you like people? How would you like people to find you? Uh, probably digitalcomposting.com or just on Twitter as Ron Brinkman, spelled with two ends at the end. And Rich, are you still online? Yeah, I think you dropped off. Rich dropped off. We'll, we'll put a link into Rich's site, Rich's site, because he always has good information. And uh, Alex. You can use, the best way is just Twitter. Twitter. Alex it's all Lindsay. about the Twitter now. It's all about the Twitter. Alex Lindsay. It's <laughs> Alex Lindsay at Twitter. And uh, my Twitter is Scott Bourne, all one word, S-C-O-T-T-B-O-U-R-N-E. And what I'd really like for you to do is visit our blog, twipphoto.com. I actually got an email from someone who listened to the podcast the other day, didn't realize we had a blog. You think? Uh, actually, had the blog before the podcast, twipphoto.com. If you're not reading the blog, you're not getting everything out of the show that you can because it's a combined presentation. I also want to mention... We do have a Flickr discussion group with 4,200 people roughly in it now. And we also have the critique group, almost 2,000. We have the contest pool, which has jumped up to about 1,000. You can enter their new contest doors. There's all kinds of stuff going on. And it's a community because of you. We appreciate having you in there. Aaron Mailer, the world's best podcast producer and show notes taker. Thank you for being part of the show. Thanks to Audible for sponsoring us. Thanks to you for listening. And that's it for this episode of This Week in Photography. For now, the lens cap's going right back on. <laughs> Holy moly, we're professional. <laughs> we got a Foley artist in the house. 